coming to you with work and teaching that will change your life forever. All things that you will ever need in your life, they're wrapped up in the Word. Go for the Word. You need to understand this thing. And when you get a hold of it, keep saying it. Don't stop talking it. Keep saying it. Keep saying it. The Bible says in the city of Ephesus, so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Can you shout amen? I'm the head of the cross that I must follow. In the name of Jesus, prosperity is mine. In the name of Jesus, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not walk. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Pastor Chris, word hearing. Remember, the quality of life that you live is absolutely dependent on the quality of God's Word in you. It's important. You can live a high quality life. What is a high quality life? Is a Super, supernatural life. Super, supernatural. High quality life. Living above this world. And that's the life that Jesus brought to us. We are to live it. And live it to the full. Live as a success, as a victor in this life. Absolute master over circumstances. Amen. Amen. Well, so take the word of God seriously. Take it seriously. Whenever we have meetings like this, services like this, don't miss them. Don't miss them. Don't miss them. Now, we, the subject is fight the good fight. Was that where we stopped? Fight the good fight? Okay. So, fight the good fight. And if you're asking for the tapes... This will be volume two. I understand that I already taught on the same topic, the same title, several years ago. All right? But now I'm going to be saying a lot of new things, which you, you will not have in the first one. You know, I don't like to preach or teach over people's heads. In other words, um, 
what I want to share with you, I will want to communicate with you according to the life that you are living and the God is speaking to you. So if I spoke on the same subject five years ago, it will have been with the circumstances where you found yourself five years ago. All right? And so the thoughts that the Spirit of God will, would have brought through that message will be relevant primarily to where they were at that time. But you have grown since five years now, all right? And you require more information. And so we are including more information. Praise the Lord. Look at somebody sitting close to you and say, I'm a success. Hey, you believe that? Say it again, I'm a success. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm a success. Come on. Wow. Somebody said, I can't say that until I have succeeded. Well, if you don't say that, you'll never succeed. <laughs> you see, say, I'm a success. Notice, you didn't say, I have succeeded. You said, I'm a success. There's a difference. If you are a success, then you're going somewhere to happen. So, you don't fail. Say it with me. I don't fail. Now, there's a difference between I cannot fail and I don't fail. I I cannot fail is an argument. It's not necessary. I I don't fail is a confession. What kind of confession is I don't fail? It is the confession of a nature. Let me explain. When you say I don't fail, it's like saying... Cats don't bark. We don't say cats cannot bark. They don't. It's not consistent with their nature. So, a Christian could fail. Why? Because he's doing something that's not consistent with his nature. So, if you found a cat barking, you'd be... Hearing a cat that's doing something inconsistent with its nature. It's not natural. He shouldn't be barking. You see it? So you, you're disgusted. What kind of a cat is that? I don't want that cat. It barks like a dog. You see it? And so when a Christian faces it, huh? Fail? How? How? Christian, hey, we don't fail? How? How did it happen? How? Those are the questions you should be asking. Are you still there? Alright, our title is Fight the Good Fight. And um, 2 Timothy chapter number 4 from verse 7 and then 1 Timothy, have these two open. 1 Timothy chapter 6 
and verse 12. Those are our same scriptures, and we will start out with them. I think this time we will pick 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12 first. You ready? Okay. Read it to me. Now, notice, Paul the Apostle is writing this first epistle to the young pastor by the name of Timothy. How do you know he's a young pastor? Because he was a young man that was asked to follow Paul when he came to their city to preach. Alright? So he took the young man along with him and eventually made him the pastor of the church at Ephesus. Alright? Okay, so now he writes him a letter and says, Fight! Read it. Again. Did he say, Jesus has fought it? No need to fight. He said, Fight! The good fight of faith. It's an instruction. Now notice he didn't say, Fight the devil. Come on. Did he say fight the devil? No. Did he say fight demons? No. No. He didn't say fight the devil. He didn't say fight demons. He said fight the good fight of faith. What's the next thing? Lay hold on what? Now, eternal life cannot be seen with the optical eyes. Eternal life cannot be touched with your physical hand. And yet Paul says, lay hold on eternal life. Seize it. How? I can't touch it with my hands. I can't see it in my physical eyes. How? Aha. So you understand that scripture again. It says, fight the good fight of faith. He says it is a fight of faith. So it's not a physical fight. It's a fight of faith. He tells Timothy to do it. Alright. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter number 4. This is his second epistle now to the young man. And this time he writes this letter several years later. At the closing part of his ministry. Paul was rounding off his ministry. Can you read from verse 5? I am what? Uh Uh-huh. And the time of my departure is what? You see, he's, he's about to die. Okay, go on. Oh boy, stop there. Do I like that? He says, I'm rounding off. I'm about to be poured out as a libation. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have fought a good fight. A good fight. I told them several stories on Wednesday night. 
have fought a good fight. You see, at different stages of your life, you can fight a good fight. I told you, success is not measured at the end of your life. Success is measured at different stages of your life. There are different phases for every human person. So, when you're in one phase, make sure you make a success of it. And then another phase begins after that. Make sure you make a success of it. I've fought a good fight. I've had different phases of my life. And in each of those phases, I've fought a good fight. I look at those things and I say, wow, I've fought a good fight. Hallelujah. I fought a good fight. Paul said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. Did you see that? Read it. I've kept the faith. He said, I've finished my course. I've run the race. I've finished my course. Oh, it's wonderful when you know you've finished. It's great to know that you're done. But how can you know you're done if you don't know what you were called to do in the first place? You've got to know what your, what your responsibility in this life is. What were you called to do? Do you realize you were called to do something? Well, was everybody called to do something? Mm, yes and no. Yes, in the sense that everybody's got to be fulfilling a role. No, if you mean something that's specific to God and His kingdom. He said, what do you mean? Oh, I can tell you. If you're, if, see, if you're a Christian, you have a, a high calling. A very high calling. Every Christian has been called specially. But not everybody in the world has been called. Some people in the world have been called. And God gave them a responsibility to do certain things. Whether they the, the, the turn out to know God or not. Certain things in, in different fields that men have been called to fulfill. Some have even been called to fulfill some leadership roles. Didn't you read in the Bible where God said to Pharaoh, For this purpose have I raised thee up. He raised Pharaoh for a reason. So that through Moses, he would demonstrate his power. He raised a hard-hearted Pharaoh. A hardened, stiff-necked Pharaoh. Who would not let the people go. And God said to Moses, you go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. Then God said, I know that he will not let you go. He, he said, go tell him. He said, but I know that he will not let you go. But God raised Pharaoh for that reason. And Pharaoh didn't recognize God. The different leaders that God raised. 
So he's raised all kinds of people. But not everybody was raised for a specific reason like that. There's some that were raised to complete the square. That's uh, mathematics now. <laughs> now, if you don't understand that, I mean that some people came into this world to balance the ecosystem. <laughs> you say, how do you know? Oh, it's simple. God spoke to Abraham. And uh, he said, I've given you the whole land of Canaan for possession. He said, walk through the land and bread of it. But God said, you can't take it now until the iniquity of the Amorites is full. And their iniquity became full in the days of Moses. Praise God. And then when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt and sent them to the promised land, He said another thing to them. He said, you know what? I can't give you the whole land at once. He said, because it's a large land and you are not many enough to take over. He said, I don't want the beasts of the field to multiply against you. So, I'll give you the land in bits and pieces until you are many enough to take over. That's why God hasn't given you the ten million dollars you're asking for. Because <laughs> you haven't developed the sunesis to handle the ten million dollars. It's not big for him to give to you. Now you say, yeah, but I've been asking God for only 50,000 all this time and he hasn't given to me. Are you saying I don't have the wisdom to handle 50,000? No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Chances are he actually gave it to you and you couldn't take it. <gasps> you say, How? <laughs> That's why you're here. <laughs> what is the fight of faith? Let me quickly give this to you, since this is the beginning part of our discussion. What is the fight of faith? What is it? When we say there's a fight of faith, what is the fight of faith? What is it? Alright, I've written down something for you here, which I'll quickly give to you. I want you to write it down. Don't forget it. Write it down and understand it. You're ready for it? Okay. The fight of faith is the conflict between our earthly, transient, temporal circumstances And our spiritual realities. Do I do that again? The fight of faith is the conflict between our earthly, transient, 
temporal circumstances and our spiritual realities. In other words, there is a conflict between the earthly, transient, temporal circumstances in which we find ourselves or with which we are confronted and the spiritual realities that we find in the Word of God. The Word of God says something, but when we look at our experiences, it seems to be different. So there's a conflict. And here's where the fight of faith is. So, you have full stop after that word realities, okay? It is, just you're writing now, a new sentence on the same subject. It is the unleashing of our faith. On the rebellious circumstances of time. To compel changes. To correspond with stubborn faith's proclamations. I read that again. It is the unleashing of our faith. On the rebellious circumstances of time. To compel changes. To correspond with stubborn faith's proclamations. The fight of faith. Is where we unleash our faith. On and against. Rebellious circumstances. There are circumstances that don't comply or correspond with our vision of God's Word. Our understanding of God's Word. Those circumstances stand up against what we believe. What we have received in our spirit. And so we unleash our faith on those circumstances. To compel them to correspond with the demands, with the dictates, with the proclamations of our stubborn faith. So we call them rebellious circumstances. But our faith is stubborn enough. Hallelujah. That's the fight of faith. And so Paul wrote a letter to Timothy. He said, fight the good fight. Fight. He's telling the young man, the circumstances of your life, the circumstances where you find yourself may not correspond with the vision of God's word in your heart, but you've got to fight. Unleash your faith against them. Stubborn faith. That will not give up. <laughs> Hallelujah. Stubborn faith. He calls it the fight of faith. Stubborn faith. 
Thoughts are coming to you. Words are coming to you. That say something different. From what the word of God says. Oh. You there? Okay. So let's move. Hallelujah. In a visions chapter, chapter 6 from verse 10, Paul says, finally my brethren. And you know, when he says finally, he's bringing something that he must talk about. So he says, finally my brethren, can you see it there? He says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, that's not properly translated because the word translated power and the word translated might don't really refer to those words in English. All right? He says, be strong in the Lord and in the dominion of his strength. So he's saying, be strong in God's strength. Hallelujah. That's what he's saying. Be strong in God's strength. The Greek word is eskus, meaning strength. Alright? So he says, be strong in the Lord and in the power. The word is dominion. Kratos. Dominion of his strength. Meaning that God's strength is an overpowering strength. So be strong in his overpowering, dominating strength. In other words, you are backed by divine power, divine supreme energy. You are backed by power, deity. There's no failure for you. It's like, you know, when you're saying that, that policeman and a, a traffic warden, and you say, you go control the cars at the junction. And then they tell him, be strong, relax. The power behind you. Uh. So he goes in that authority, and he's strong in his heart. You see, he's bold. Acting in the authority, he's bold. He says, be strong in the Lord. His strength has the dominion. His strength is supreme. You can count on his power. You can count on his ability. You can count on his might. Hallelujah. So that policeman is going to be strong. So he's standing there, he's not afraid. Doesn't matter the momentum with which that truck is coming. He's strong in his heart. He knows, well, I'm backed by the law. I was told to stand here. So he goes like this. And that guy, is he afraid of the policeman? No, he's afraid of the power behind the man. That's what he's afraid of. He could have thought of knocking him down. He's hurrying. I gotta get there, gotta get there. But this young guy just goes. And then he thinks, I'm going, I'm going. Then he says, 
He may stand there and say, you fool, get out of there. But he ain't moving. If he, you see, if he doesn't, if he doesn't want to end up in prison, <laughs> even though he was hurrying, if he likes, he can speak. Stupid, crazy, mad boy. Why didn't you? He can say what he wants, but... But you know, that policeman could have done like this. <laughs> then he wouldn't have been strong in the dominion of the strength of the law. So he says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You don't have to run away. You don't have to be afraid. He says, fear not, fear not, fear not. Hallelujah. In the power of his might. Then he says, put on the whole armor. Have you seen that verse 11? He says, put on the whole armor. That means the full armor. Put on the full armor. Put on the whole armor of God. I want you to understand that it's a whole suit of armor. It's not like you go, take this one over here, and you go, look for the other one over there. Uh Uh-uh. It's all in the same package. So he uses the word analambano for you to take it onto you. In other words, it's ready. It's ready. It's prepared. Your name has been called. Come take it. Then after you have taken the whole thing, then you now pick out this one, put it on, and pick out this one and put it on. But you've got to take the whole thing. Take it with you. And then start wearing it. You know, the breastplate of righteousness. Your loins got about. That's your belt. Your feet shot with the preparation of the gospel. Are you hearing me? Then two things I'd like to bring to your notice. They're so important. Turn to the 13th verse. What does it say? Again. That she may be able to stand. You don't need to pray to God, oh, Father, make me stand. These are the last days and things are terrible. Please help me to stand. He says, put on the armor that you may be able to stand. If you put on the armor, you will be able to stand. If you don't put on the armor, it doesn't matter how you are praying. It's not working. You know, a lot of people pray stupid prayers. Oh, Father, it doesn't matter that you're crying. (laughs) Oh, make me strong. He says, be strong. says put on the whole armor that he may be able to stand against what did he say against the power of the devil no he didn't say that he never told us to stand against the power of the devil you know what he said about the power of the devil Jesus said I give unto you power power the word is exousia. 
meaning authority. It says, and ye shall tread upon serpents and upon scorpions and over all the power, over all the ability of the enemy. He says, tread on them. He didn't say resist. Uh-uh. He said, walk on the power of the enemy. Hallelujah. Walk on the power of the enemy. All his ability. He says, tread on them. He says, I give you authority. Authority to stop him and walk on him. That's where authority meets with power. The ability of Satan. He says, I give you authority. To tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the ability of the enemy. And then he said this. He says, and nothing shall by any means. Hey, 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 hey. Nothing shall by any means. It doesn't matter how they try. Nothing shall by any means. hi Nothing shall by any means. Oh, if we will only take him at his word. He says, nothing shall by any means hurt you. Take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand. Not against the power of the devil. No. He is no longer powerful. The new creation is superior to the devil. But then he says that he may be able to stand against the wires. The Greek word is methodia. From where the English gets the word methods. That Greek word means the schemes of the devil. The schemes. The strategies of the devil. The stratagems. Are you still there? He's talking about the way the devil operates. The plans of the devil. His schemes. Another version renders it the lining weight of the devil. He doesn't have the power. So he has schemes. Read verse 14. Stand therefore. Uh huh. Uh huh. Go on. Verse 16. Above all. Hey, stop. When he says above all, mean. The most important of them. If you take these suits of armor and dress, he says, if you forget anything, this one, you must not forget it. Above all, take what? Take him with the shield of faith. What did he say we can do with it? Check, check. What can I do with my shield of faith? 
wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Somebody shout hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Wow. You see, you see, he has told you. He has told you what you can do. He said, above all, taking the shield of faith. That means my faith is a shield. He didn't say a shield that belongs to faith. No, what it means is faith is a shield. Your faith is a shield. Are you still listening, somebody? Your faith is your shield. He says, take up your faith. Don't give up your faith. Somebody said, I was actually acting in faith, but somehow things went bad and I gave up. Uh-uh. Taking the shield of faith. What can you do with your faith? He said, wherewith ye shall be able, ye shall be able, ye shall be able to quench. That means put out the fiery darts. Now the word darts means missile. It means fiery missiles. There are fiery missiles directed at you. And they're coming from demoniacal forces. He says, with your faith, you can put out the fiery missiles of the wicked one. He says, above all, Taking the shield of faith, wherewith he shall be able to quench, to quench, discouragement came and hit you. Gosh, you woke up discouraged. Fiery darts. You see, the fiery darts is talking about. So this is so important for us to know. Sometimes, see, in the first service, I was trying to tell them something, but we wouldn't have the time. There's some people, they, say, they just, they were alone and there was a, something hit them. Boom! Said, I felt the pain, I felt it. Somebody hit me. I turned around, there was nobody there. Hmm. Where went your shield of faith? He said, I felt it physically. Yes. When you turned around, was there anybody? No. Meaning that the thing that hit you was not physical. What did Paul say? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. He says there's an evil day. Look at it. Go back there. Go back there. Go back there. Verse 13. Read it to me. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. When? The evil day. The evil day. What do you mean by the evil day? The evil day is that, that he says, prepare for that evil day. How? Put on the whole armor of God. 
Not once a week. Every time. Every time. Have it on. Permanently dressed. Because there's an evil day coming. You heard of somebody who was preparing for an exam. Until sickness struck, he couldn't do the exam. And he failed. His mates have gone ahead of him. You say, ah, Omashu. That was that person's evil day. And he fell. What you don't know is that Satan is coming with the same trick. He's coming to your door. He's telling you there's an evil day. You are hearing of different things that happen to different people. In different lands and sometimes far, sometimes near. And you tell yourself, ah, can't happen to me. God said, uh-uh, it's not so. He says, put on the whole armor of God and prepare for the evil day. So that having done all, you still remain standing. If that guy that heard that sound, that thing that hit him and he fell down, he looked around, there was nobody. He ought to put it, no weapon fashioned against me can prosper. important i will show you i'll show you he says above all above all brothers and sisters there is something we can't leave out above all he says taking the shield of faith faith is expressed in words and actions meaning that your words and actions must correspond to the word above all taking the shield of faith Wherewith he shall be able to quench, to quench, to quench, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. to quench, to put out, hey, to dismantle, hey, all the fiery missiles of the devil. You've got to be prepared. Read the next verse. Verse 17. Ah, and what? Take what? And hmm. I want you to listen. He says, take hey, uh, he says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirits. Then he told you what the sword of the spirit is. He says, which is the word of God. Now this is very important. The helmet of salvation. And then the sword of the Spirit. You know, sometimes you, you hear some Christians doing some funny things because they are ignorant of the Word of God. And they are praying the name of Jesus. Oh, oh, Satan, I caught you. Oh, 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 oh. That's not working because that's not what he said. 
Take unto you the sword of the spirits. Which is the word of God. Somebody said, I'm going with my sword. Says, no, this sword is a small one. I need a big one. <laughs> my Bible and I. Well, let me tell you. That's not what he's talking about. The Greek word is rhema. Rhema. He said, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the rhema of God. What is rhema? Rhema is the now word. Is the spoken now word. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Is that word of God in your mouth for the now? It is the word for the moment concerning you, concerning anything that you are directing it at. Are you hearing me? It's that word of God that's coming to you right now and you are speaking it out. He's not talking about the Bible. He's not talking about that's the logos of God. He's talking about the rhema that's coming out of you. He says, take it. How can you take the rhema of God? It's by talking. He says, now watch this. He says, the sword of the Spirit, which is the rhema of God. Why did he say the sword of the Spirit? Now, I remember some time, some time ago I was sharing with you along these lines. And I told you the Greek word for mouth is the word stoma. S-T-O-M-A. Stoma. And stoma means the front or edge of a weapon. It actually literally means the front or edge of a sword. You see that? So when he says, the sword of the Spirit, he was talking about the word of the Spirit. Now, when you start in the book of Revelation, um, you, can, you can look at uh, Revelation chapter 1, look at verse, uh, from verse 13 to verse 16, and then write down Revelation chapter, chapter 2, verse 16, and then um, also Revelation chapter 19. Maybe we should read one or two of them. You ready, ready, ready? Book of Revelation. Uh, let's take chapter 1. And we are reading from verse 12. I'd like to put it in the context so you can understand it. And I turned to see the voice. John is writing. says, I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and got about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. He's talking about how that he saw the Son of Man. You understand? Alright, so um, verse 15. And his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. Now remember, this was a vision. And a lot of the things that John saw were symbolic. For example, the seven golden candlesticks. What's that? What's that? Hallelujah. 
You want to understand all that? Get the seven spirits of God. <laughs> all right, let me read you the other one. In uh, um, Revelation, well, I give you chapter 2. Okay, chapter 2 and uh, verse 16. Repent, O heirs, I will come unto thee quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Did you see that? Sword of my mouth. Now, John just said that he saw a sword coming out of his mouth. Now, he's he's talking about the sword of his mouth. Now, the point of all that is this. Jesus doesn't carry a sword in his mouth such that you see him with a a sword protruding from his mouth. It's his word. The word that comes out of him. The Bible says the rhema of God is the sword of the Spirit. You know some people that, that carry, um, they, they want protection in the night, so they open the Bible and they start reading the book of Psalms. They say, Psalms, the book of Psalms, very powerful. So they want to sleep, they say, Now I lay me down to sleep. Thou Lord shall bless me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me lie down. Give pastures and leadeth me. You can read that. That is not the rhema of God. When trouble strikes, that's not going to work. You know why? Because that is the logos of God. And you have to first meditate on the logos of God before the rhema comes out. He says, the Logos of God is quick and powerful. That's Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. Sharper than any two-edged sword. But what does it do? He says, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joint and marrow. It's working inside you. It's so sharp, but it's not coming out. It's working inside you. So you don't use the Logos against the devil. It's inside you. He says it's a designer of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And all things are unveiled to him with whom we have to do. He sees all things. That's the logos of God. And when you meditate on it, he says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. When you need it for the conflicts of life, becomes a sword of the Spirit. The rhema of God. The rhema. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Read that verse 17 one more time. Go on. And take what? The helmet of salvation... The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, which is the Rhema, the Rhema, the Rhema. Somebody say the Rhema, which is the Rhema of God. Oh, the sword of the Spirit. It's the Rhema of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
the sword of the Spirit, which is the rhema of God. The rhema of God. Ah, I've got to have rhema. Rhema, rhema. Ah. You're facing a situation. You've got to have rhema. You've got to have rhema. You meditate. You mutter. You take the word. Thank God for technology. You can play tape and listen and let your spirit go with the message and get stared on the inside. You know what Paul said to Timothy? He said, stir up the gift of God that is in you. Why? Because the gift of God in you can be lying dormant. He says, stir up the gift of God that is in you. You've got to stir up that power. That's why a Christian, with all the power he professes to have, can suffer. Suffer shocks, defeats. And then they say, how, 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 what happened to him? How come? It's because he didn't use the word for what he could have used it for. The conflicts of life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What are you going to do with the word? What will you do with it? Hey, talk to me. What will you do with it? You see, I, I don't know exactly what you may be going through right now as an individual. Where are you now in your life? What are you facing right now? What is that thing that needs a change? The Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not man-made. It says they are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down. Another version says, so the tearing down of fortresses. Fortresses. Wars that Satan has built. Those wars could have been built in your life. You have never believed you could make it. You have never believed you could be this or that. You have never believed. In fact, whenever that thought came to your mind, you resigned. No, 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 not me. Nobody in your family ever went beyond that line. He says the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the tearing down of fortresses, pulling down strongholds. He says they are mighty. The weapons, one of those weapons, is your mouth. This is the weapons of our warfare. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they are mighty through God. This kind of contracts don't come to people like me. Ah, ah, the weapons of our warfare. 
They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. They said, so and so will not allow it to get to me. The weapons of our warfare are not canal. They are mighty through God to the tearing down of fortresses. When are you going to use what you've got? How many of you here speak in tongues? Can I see your hand? You speak in tongues? Can you speak in tongues right now? Go ahead and speak in tongues. Let me take three minutes to get you somewhere. Second Corinthians chapter 4. I want you to read from verse 16 to verse 18. Can you do it quickly? For which cause we faint not. We do not give up. Alright? Okay, go on. For though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Now look at it. Paul looks at it this way. He says, though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Now that's not a confession for everybody. It was his experience with those who were with him. It should become our experience of God's Word. Okay, go on. For our light affliction. Uh huh. Mm hmm. Why will, verse 18, why will, why will look not? This is powerful. You see, he says, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. He says, even though we are facing these conflicts of life, even though we are being battered and bruised, it works out for us. How? He says, this can only happen while we look not. While we look not at the things which are seen. Look, he says, though our outward man perish, the inward man is renewed day by day. 
No matter what is happening in my body. He says the inward man is getting stronger, stronger, stronger. He says, so this light affliction is for a moment. Hallelujah. Maybe you have a ball in your body. It's giving you pain. You say this light affliction is for a moment. It's for a moment. While I look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Hey, how can you look at the things which are not seen? They have to be real before you can look at them. That means they are real. That's, that's, we are talking about the good fight of faith. He says, though our outward man perish, the inward man is renewed. And you know what? Before long, the inward man will gain the mastery over the outward man. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Though our outward man perish, the inward man is renewed day by day. Renewed day by day. This is our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Works out for us. A far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. How is it working? He says, why will look not? The Greek word look is scopio, meaning to consider. So, I consider not. You see, he's not just talking about looking like this with your eyes. He says, consider to mark. He says, taking cognizance. I do not consider. Scopio. I do not consider. I look not, I consider not the things which are seen. Oh, hallelujah. Why will consider not the things which are seen? He is not saying we didn't see them. He says we saw them, but we did not consider them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard the same thing you heard, but I did not consider it. I saw the same thing, but I refused to consider them. Why we consider not the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. Elijah said, oh God, open the young man's eyes. Let him see that those that be with us are more than those that be with them. He said, open his eyes, let him see. Open his eyes. The guy's eyes were open. He was looking, but he was not seeing the unseen. Open his eyes. Let him see that those that are with us are more and more powerful and stronger than those that be with them. Why we consider not the things which are seen. We consider not the cancer that has grown. We consider not the diabetes. We consider not the test results. We consider not the things which are seen. But we consider the things which are not seen. Rando Grasco Prahasta. We consider those things which are not seen. Man, oh man. Ay, 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 I consider not the things which are seen. As for the things which are seen are temporal. He 
says, these things that appear, that you can see with your optical eyes, they are subject to change. They are subject to change. They are temporal. Subject to change. Ah. Say this with me. The circumstances of my life are subject to change. The circumstances of my finances are subject to change. Subject to change. I look not at the things which are seen. I, I, are you getting it? I, I, I look not at the things which are seen. But at the things that are not seen. Hey, what are those things that are not seen? What, 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 somebody, can you get what I'm talking about? I'm out of time. Oh. Hey, I look not at the things which are seen, but at the things that are not seen. Oh, hallelujah. I'm a success. I'm a success. I'm a success. Hallelujah. I'm a success. Go with a God. I'm a success. Hallelujah. I look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Ay, 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 ay. At the things which are not seen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. When you are faced with situations that challenge your faith in the Word of God, there is one key thing you must do. You must fight. It's not a fight with gloves or F-16, but it's a good fight of faith. Join Pastor Chris in this enlightening teaching series as he victoriously takes you through the steps on how to fight the good fight. So fight! Unleash your faith! That's all it takes, brother! That's all! You say, I'm a child of God, and I'm going to live the victorious life that Jesus has given to me. Ah, hey! <laughs> oh, glory! Pick up your phone and call the numbers displayed on your screen to order for this message. Or you can log on to www.christembassyonlinestore.org to place your order. Who is the Holy Spirit? Why should I speak in tongues? Do I need deliverance? I'd like to pray and get answers to my prayers. How can I grow spiritually? These questions and much more get answered in this three volume DVD set by Pastor Chris. They include teachings on different topics that would give you insight for living the up life that the Bible has promised every Christian. Many times, a lot of Christians want to understand prayer. They want to know how to pray. 
to have resources. See, there, there are rules for prayer. There are different kinds of prayer. And there are rules for prayer. Yes. You don't need to pray a powerful prayer. All you need to pray is a prayer to a powerful God. What do you say to a Christian who is experiencing demonic oppressions? A Christian who is experiencing oppression needs to exercise his authority. They have to know about the authority to exercise it. When we speak in tongues, we are emboldened, we are empowered. Without speaking in tongues, we cannot grow up spiritually. Can every, can every Christian speak in tongues? Get armed and ready to live victoriously. Order now for this three-volume DVD set today by calling any of the numbers now displayed on your screen or online at www.christembassyonlinestore.org. Three kinds of knowledge. Why is it that too many Christians have been weak and beggarly because of their ignorance? He prays that you be filled with this kind of knowledge. A knowledge that changes a man's life. It's a knowledge that is required. That is the kind of knowledge that you receive as you grow in Christ. And that is what makes the difference between the mature Christian and the one that is not. Now you can own these great teachings by Pastor Chris. Three kinds of knowledge. This series is available on DVD, audio and video CD, audio and videotape. So start placing your orders today. So this time, three kinds of wisdom. The reason for failure in life is the lack of wisdom. Why did God deposit all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge in Jesus? Why? Because of us. God's righteous ones are supposed to have a mindset. The mindset of a victor. The mindset of one who is more than a conqueror. Mindset of a success. This is the kind of wisdom that he wants to take you to. Maybe you haven't gotten it yet. The, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 11, For the value of wisdom is far above rubies. Nothing can be compared to it. Join Pastor Chris in this teaching series as he takes you through three kinds of wisdom that would surely keep you ahead always. Order for your copies today.